Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. saw it and was working through it and the ideas on it. Man, I just like, this is going to be so good. Um, if you were not here last week, please go watch it on YouTube or download the podcast or whatever you do, but get caught up with us. I actually think last week's message is so pivotal. It is so absolutely important. As a matter of fact, I'll just kind of give it away. Last week, we introduced kind of this very first habit and the very first habit was put first things first. That if you want, because see, here's the deal. We all... How many have bad habits? Anybody got some bad habits? Yeah, yeah, you like bite your nails or, you know, you leave your underwear on the floor, things like, yeah. So you have these habits that you have, right? And some of them are good habits. How many have good habits? You know, you do, you do push-ups in the morning, you eat kale chips or something, whatever you, so you have good, you have good habits, and then you have the other ones where the underwear's still on the floor. And so you have good habits and bad habits. Well, see, in life, your life ends up being a reflection of your habits, right? Like your life ends up kind of reflecting. As a matter of fact, there was a quote, and I don't remember who said it, but he goes, we are what we repeatedly do. We are what we repeatedly do. We are a reflection of our habits. That if we do these things long enough, our life ends up just kind of going down a road, going down a direction that we're like, oh, how did I get here? Oh, well, it's those habits that we had. They shaped our, our thoughts, they shaped our directions, they shaped our feelings, they shaped our decision-making, and our habits took over. And so, But here's, here's what I know about you, is that you are people of hope. You're people of good intentions. Like in, most of you out there are not trying to knock off liquor, score, liquor stores and, and skin cats. You're not, you're not weird, terrible people. You're good intention people. You, here's what I, I know. You want God's best in your life. You want God to bless you. You want your marriage to succeed. You want your kids to prosper. You want, you, you, just, you want, you want to excel financially. You want those things, right? Am I tripping? Because I feel like there's not enough amening or nodding or smiling. Okay. So we all want those things, right? I mean, it's almost like, duh, of course I want those things. But what we, what we have is, is we have these, in essence, and this is kind of the thesis of the whole thing, is that most people have uphill hopes, but we end up with downhill habits, right? Like our habits don't align with what we say we're hoping and believing for. And so because of that, we need to reshape our habits. And like I said, the very first habit that you've got to put into place is you've got to put first things first. Because whatever you have first in your life ends up ordering everything else that follows it. Whatever you have first sets the tone for everything that follows it. And so this is why it's so important that you put God first in your life. And here's the deal. It's not that God wants to be first on a list. Like you got like, I got 10 important things, Todd, and God's supposed to be, you know, number one. That's not what it is. Watch this. God doesn't want to just be the first in a list. God wants to be first in everything on the list. Do you see the difference there? So it's not like God's first and then, and then my family and then, and then my work. And, no, no, no. God wants to be first in your family. And then he wants to be first in your work. And then, Does that make sense? Because God wants to be in all things that you're doing. You can't compartmentalize God and say, well, God's, God's in my Sunday box right before football. That's where God is, right? But Monday, you know, that's, that's different. And Friday night, that, we don't want to talk about that. that that's in my boxes. No, no, no. You can't compartmentalize God. You can't, you can't re- restrict God to a day of the week or an hour and a half. How ridiculous. And God's like, no, no, I want to be first in all things. And here, here's the other thing. Not only do you want to put God first in all things, what you actually want to do is give God the first of everything that you have. So this is why we give God the first portion of our year by 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is why we go to church on Sunday morning and we give God the first portion of our week. This is why the biblical teaching of tithing is just that you would give God not just a portion of your income. It was the first portion of your income because whatever you do first orders everything. 
thing. Everybody say, that's good. That's good. That's even free. That's not even in the notes. That's like just a rehash of last week. So you need to go watch, go listen, go download or whatever. But today, man, today is huge. So today, look, okay, just track with me real quick here. When I talk today, you're you're probably going to be like, I think I've heard this before, because I think this is one of the most profound principles in all of Scripture. It's one of the most overlooked ideas in all of Scripture, and I'm, I'm all in on this one. And so you hear me lace these ideas into all kinds of sermons, but it has been a really long time since I just spent a whole day talking about it. But if I look at what are the most important uphill habits Right behind putting God first, this is number two. And really, this is the habit. Number, number two is this, is habit number two, I will manage my thought life. To which some of us are like, okay, I don't, I don't know what that means. You know how you manage your business or you manage your finances? You, you have to think about your mind and your thoughts is something that you need to manage. And I'm telling you that the ramifications are huge. This is the difference between happy people and unhappy people right here. I'm telling you, because this is what I know to be true. And you know this too if you just observe life for a second. Have you ever realized that some people live in other parts of the world and have a fraction of what you have, and yet they're happier than you? Why is it that? So, so stuff doesn't make you happy. There are other people, you ever run into people, and they're going through hell in their life, and they somehow still have a joy and a peace about them, and you're like, everything's okay in my life, but I'm still grumpy and angry and mad. What, so, so, it's not, so your circumstances are not what make you happy. Where you live is not what make you happy. All these different things. Really, the difference is this. The difference between happy people and unhappy people is not their circumstances. It's just how they think about things. It's their perspective on life. So I'm telling you, this is the key to happiness. This is the key to your success. This is the key to you being successful. Hey, have you ever wondered why you seem to like maybe keep repeating the same sins and you can't get any breakthrough? It's because ultimately everything begins with a thought, doesn't it? Everything begins with a thought. As a matter of fact, let me take you back to the Garden of Eden. Remember Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. Remember they were naked? And, and then the serpent comes in. And you know, when the serpent wanted to like tempt them, you know, all he did was introduce a thought. That was it. It was so simple. It was so subtle. Literally, the serpent goes up to Eve and says, hey, hey, did God really say that you can't do the thing with the, with, you know, with the, you know, and the thing? That was it. The grand temptation of all humanity began with like, hey, did you ever think about, you know, what a, did God really? That's, no? Okay. Do you think about that? So everything begins with a thought, Right? And then your thoughts end up dictating how you feel. And then how you feel and how you think end up dictating what choices or decisions that you make and what habits you form that ultimately determine the destination that you arrive to in life. But it all began with a what? It all began with a thought. And so your thought life is so important. And now here's the deal too. This is where we're getting crazy because the Bible has been talking about this stuff for thousands of years. And now medical research and medical science is like catching up to this stuff and showing us in ways that we've never been able to see before that this thing is the real deal. So here's, here's what I mean by that. So your brain is basically computing about 400 billion activities in your body at a time, right? You're doing all kinds of weird stuff in your body that you're not even aware of, right? Like the way that your cells, your, your, your red blood cells and your white blood cells and your kidneys are doing stuff. And you ever thought like, hey, kidney, what are you doing? What's going on down there? Of course not. You're just like, I don't know. I got two. You know, I, it doesn't even matter. So my point is, is that you have all these functions. Now, you're only about consciously aware and, and can think about maybe about 2,000 of them, right? 
But what's happening is, is that your brain is this control center that basically dictates everything that goes on in your body. Are you tracking with me so far? But here's where it gets crazy. So, And you know this. When you have certain positive thoughts, exciting thoughts, fun thoughts, good thoughts, your body actually re- releases chemical hormones in your body, like endorphins are released in your body when you have... Because you ever like laugh so hard that your gut hurts? Oh, aren't they the best when you get a good gut laugh? So your body is actually releasing endorphins into your body, right? This is why the Bible says a merry heart does good like medicine. Why? Because your body, when you're happy, you're actually releasing endorphins in your body. But, everybody say but. But the opposite is true too. So there's this other chemical in your body called CRH, which is basically really complicated, big scientific words that I can't pronounce. But you can look it up. CRH is the negative hormone that you release in your body, not when you're happy, but when you're sad, depressed, angry, negative. All these different things are going on. So like, I'll give you an example. So if you did an autopsy on a body, what they found was is that a person who committed suicide has literally 10 times the amount of CRH in their body than a person who died of natural causes. So what happens is when you're depressed, you have these hormone dumps into your body and it just floods your body. Okay, this is, this is the crazy other part of it. So all these negative hormones and negative chemicals that are being released in your body, they're now linking them to, so like for example, they're, they're linking depression to heart disease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You thought, no, I just need to eat some kale chips and I'll be okay. I need to go for a jog and I'll be all right. But I'm telling you, you can, you can go for a jog and eat kale chips while you're running. But if you have anger and bitterness in your heart, you are literally having a heart disease. It's not just spiritual. It crosses over into weird lines that you can't quite quantify. It's happening. So I'm just telling you all this stuff. Is, so like what they're, what they're looking at now is like chronic illnesses. What they're saying now is that upwards of 80% of chronic illnesses are now more related to your thought life than they are your genealogy. Like maybe 20% is related to your, you know, well, mama was this and dad was this and, you know, or I did this or I drank too much of that, ate too much of that, you know, jumped out of an airplane too many times, whatever, like all those other risks that we introduce ourselves to, that's, that's like 20%. But the majority of it is our thought life. It is insane to think that like our thought life ends up dictating like all these weird things that we can't quantify even on a physical level. So here's some things I want you to look out for. Ready? So like some of us have some negative habits when it comes to our thought life. And I just want to like pull the curtain back and expose some of them and and make fun of them and make you more aware of them. Are you ready? All right. Here's like, here's like, number one is this, this this is no order by the way. This isn't number one. Amplifiers. Like, are you one of those people out there that whatever happens in life, you just turn up the dial? This is, this is what it would look like. You use words like, I can never get a break. This always happens to me. Like you get a flat tire, you're like, oh my gosh, this is the worst. This always happens to me. You haven't had a flat in two years, shut up. You're tripping. You're just taking something and like making it bigger. No one likes me. No, I like you, that's one. Jesus likes you, that's two. You at least got two people that like you. And, if, and that's it, that's your issue. You need to like be nicer in life. So this happens every time. Okay, nothing happens every time. Maybe most of the time, but not every time. Stop tripping. Here's another one. Um, are you a guesser? Boop. Guesser. This is people that like basically 
think they always know what the other person's thinking and then they assume the worst? You don't do that. Like, like, I, no lie, I was talking to these girls last night and, and, and they literally were like, oh, because I, I went to go ask them for something. I was at a restaurant and they were like, oh, you keep interrupting us right when we're gossiping. <laughs> I'm like, well, hey, what are, y'all, what are y'all talking about? Maybe I can help. I didn't tell them I was a pastor. I'll just jump in. And she, well, we got guy troubled. And you know what? He called and he did this. And, he, and I know what he's doing. I know what he's thinking. I know, well, he probably was, but you're still guessing. Okay? You're, you don't know. Let's be honest, the mind of a man, you don't know. He's probably just thinking about bacon or something. So you don't know. Ladies, you do that all the time to your husband, by the way. You're like, what are you thinking about? He said, what does he say? Nothing. No, 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 no. I know you're thinking about something. I know it. I know it. And you like start getting, he literally was thinking about nothing. There is not that much going. There's less going on up there than you assume, ladies. That's all I'll say. <laughs> Guys, can I get an amen? Like literally, it's just, and, and, and hey, here's the deal too. Even if, even if we were thinking about something, you don't want to know what it was anyway. You didn't, trust me, you don't want to know. It was weird. So exaggerators, exaggerators is like an amplifier. You turn a mountain into, or a molehill into a mountain. You just, everything's the worst. It's, it's horrible. It's ruined. It's the worst. It'll never be the same again. Or, you know, you just, everything's huge. Blown out of portion. Here's another one. Personalizers. You take everything personal. Person cuts you off in traffic and you get so angry. You can't believe that they did that to you. Listen to me. That wasn't personal. They don't know who you are. They're just bad drivers, okay? They would have cut off anybody in that situation. You just happen to be there. Sometimes you don't get invited to something and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe they did. And you, you, again, you read into everything and you take everything personal. It's not personal, okay? Not everything is about you. So that's a little narcissistic. You're being... A little bit like it's a reverse pride, in essence, is what it is. It's like always about me. So I take everything personal in life. Here's another one. Anybody like this? You're a forecaster? You can always tell what's going to happen, right? I got a friend who's like this, who's, who's like, she'll be watching any scenario. And like, so we're, we're out in the front yard and then like a bunch of kids on the swing. And she's like, oh my God, that kid's going to fall and break his arm. I can, I can see it right now. I'm like, dear Lord, you're the worst prophet in the world. So like, yeah, you're forecasters. This is what you do too, guys. Like you, you're like, your, your wife will like, let's go on a day trip. Let's go to the beach. And then like, oh my God. And then you get up in the morning. You're like, it's going to be dumb. The weather's going to be bad. Them kids are going to get up on my nerves. This isn't going to be any fun. You haven't even gotten in the car yet. You're just forecasting negativity. Like you're creating it. Like shut up. Try to make the best of it. Just go with the flow. Maybe, just maybe, if you changed your attitude, it could be a great trip. Here's another one, cynic. This is the person that basically your job, your spiritual gift in life is to find the worst in any scenario. That's what you think you're good at. There could be like 12 things going on. 10 of them are good. You'll find the two and then point them out to everyone. No? Some of y'all? Okay. You just, you get Blamers? Anybody a blamer? Blamers? They just, it's always somebody else's fault. It's always somebody. I can't believe them. It's the government. It's these people. It's those people. It's the media. It's Trump. It's somebody. It's Hillary. Still Hillary. Um, Hillary's not even around. Still Hillary. Uh, you know, still Obama. <laughs> Somebody, somebody's to blame for this mess. Somebody needs to burn, you know. So here's another one, just last. Justifiers. This is people that are negative, but what you do is, is you create reasons as to why you're right in being negative, right? Like, well, I deserve to be angry. And then you blame other people. Like, they made me mad, 
right? So anyway, then, then you're in a bad mood, so then you find something negative about everything. And you can see how it just all flows. It's all the same. They're all brothers and sisters and cousins in negative town. They all live together. And so that's, that's basically, these are the types of ideas that I'm talking about. And it goes deeper than that too. We could talk about a bunch of others. These are just ones that I see kind of like that become the natural default program that's running on your brain. This is what your go-to move is. This is what kind of you default to, if any given scenario. And what I'm telling you is this, is that you have to break these types of negative thoughts off of your mind because they're driving you into a bad place in your relationships. They're driving you into a bad place into your physical health. I'm just telling you it's all bad. And so here's the deal. Not only do we have these negative mentalities that we've adopted, sometimes we take our negativity from like words that people have spoken over us. So it's not even just something that we decided to come up with on our own. It's something that like people said stuff to us. Like I've heard all this stuff in counseling or from my father or whatever, you know, whatever, you're never going to mount anything. Oh, you're stupid. No one likes you. You're fat. You've got cankles. No one's ever going to want to date you. You don't have the sense God gave a jackass. I mean, this is, that's literally, anyway, I'm not trying to be crude. Literally somebody, anyway, let's, let's move on. So sometimes you take, you take, what you do though is you take those negative words and then you adopt them. You believe them. You embrace them. They become a part of your identity. And so you walk around your whole life living with the label that somebody else gave you and you adopted that negative mentality about yourself. Sometimes it's just like a bad experience. Sometimes people go through bad experiences, like a friend dies, a loved one dies, a family member dies too early and what do you, you get angry at God. God, how could you? You took them away, how dare you? Sometimes a spouse leaves, you have a bad divorce, bad breakup. All of a sudden, men are the devil, women are evil, you know, like they're all bad, I don't trust anymore. Um, any type of abuse makes you feel somewhat like unworthy, unlovable. You have guilt from like secret sin. All of a sudden you're like, I feel shame, I, I, I feel weird going to church. You know, a friend talks about you behind your back, somebody you thought was supposed to have your back, and then all of a sudden, like, you become insecure, you become angry, you become hurt, and all these. What happens is this, is when we don't manage our thought life in any, number of those, in any one of those scenarios, when we don't manage our thought life, we just take a negative spiral. And literally, our life is a reflection of those thoughts, both in, like, our attitude, our decision-making, and even at the level of our physical Help. Now, here's the other thing crazy too. This is the other thing that you got to be really, really careful of because your brain operates like a library. I don't know if you know that or not. How many of you have a great memory? You remember everything? Oh, oh wow, two people. Okay, how many have a terrible memory? I think, I think some of y'all are being too hard on yourselves. You've, you've got to have a better memory than that. Like I, anyway, but, like you, so, so, but even if you have a bad memory, because I'm in that category too, if you feel like you have a bad memory, have you ever noticed how like certain events or moments or words or smells and all of a sudden a memory will come up out of nowhere and then hit you like a brick truck and it takes you back. So remember like, remember like when the friend died or when the spouse left or when that friend hurt you or when it went down or whatever and then like you just suppress that bad boy. You know what I mean? You stuff it down. You're a stuffer. You stuff that thing down and then all of a sudden like a year later, two years later, ten years later, something happens and it all comes back. It's because you're... you're so here's, here's the way it works on a medical level. Your brain has around 100 trillion nerve cells capable of storing information. So what they say is this, is that your brain could actually log away a million plus years worth of memories because of your storage capacity up there. You got huge storage capacity. 
And so as much as you might not think you have a great memory, trust me, it's logged away back there in your subconscious. And then sometimes we relive them. So have you ever done this before? All of a sudden, some, uh, all of a sudden something triggers a memory from the past. Could be a year, two years, 10 years, whatever it is. What'll happen is this. You'll actually experience it in your body and have the same hormone dump as if it happened for the very first time. So all that junk that you already deposited into your body, you just did it all over again. And again, this all goes back to how are we going to manage our thought life? Now, listen, some of y'all are like, okay, Todd, this is nerdy science stuff. And, and then also this is like self-help guru. Like I could listen to Tony Robbins about this crap. Tony Robbins stole this. Watch, watch. Romans 8 verse 5 says this. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. Again, not just like doing sinful things. No, no, just things that are negative, things that are sinful, things that are less than God's best, things that are missing the mark. Those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, they think about things that please the Spirit. If your sinful nature controls your mind, there is what? Death. That's not good. There's death. So literally, on, on, on a physical level, things are hurting you. On a spiritual level, those things are hurting you. Your life is moving towards death, destruction, and darkness because of where your thought life is. So he says this, but if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is what? That's where we sleep easy at night. There's life and there's peace. That's where we all want to be in life. Or you could just, this is what Solomon said. Solomon said it really, really crisply. He said, wise thinking leads to right living and stupid thinking leads to wrong living. That's easier, isn't it? So for all the, all the ladies that read the first one, oh, that's so good. And all the guys are like, oh, he's stupid. So, so anyway, yeah, stupid. It's just stupid. Stupid thinking lives to that type of living, but yet there's a, there's a, there's a wise way of thinking. And so here's what I want to do is I want to teach you what I do and what I've discovered and what I try to work on to manage my thought life. Because I'm telling you, it's huge. It changes the way you feel. It changes the way you make decisions. It changes the destination of your life because it, it, it all begins with a thought. So if you can manage your thought life, in essence, you can kind of manage everything that follows it. So here's, here's what it looks like to me when I think about managing my thought life. Number one is this, is I have to become aware of my thoughts. Now, this is a huge leap for so many people because most of us, our brain is running on default 99% of the time. We never consider what our thoughts are. We're never aware of our thoughts. We never consider our thoughts. We think, see, this is, this is the big leap that you have to make is this. Many of you just think that you are your thoughts, like that your thoughts are you, like they're the same and they're not. Everybody say this, I am not my thoughts. You're not, you're not your thoughts, I promise it. Because I'll, I'll prove it to you. 10 years ago, you used to think one way, and now you think another, right? I mean, so you are not your thoughts. They're just something that you have. This is why you talk to people like, hey, I had an idea. I had a thought, right? They're just something that you have. So, but the key is, is you have to become aware of the thoughts that you are having. Because most of us, all those negative things the bitterness, the anger, the unforgiveness, or the exaggerating, amplifying, cynical, blaming, justifying, all that stuff, for most of us, that stuff just running on default. 
that is programmed into us from all those words, all those bad experiences. We deep-rooted those habits into our way of thinking, and we think that's normal now. We just think that that's a natural norm. This is why we say stupid stuff like, well, that's just the way that I am. No, it's not. That's the way that you have ingrained it, the way you've chosen it, the way you've decided it, the way you're sitting on it. It doesn't have to be that way. You can change it. But it begins when I am aware of my thoughts. See, mature people are aware of their thoughts. This is why you should be able to have maybe an experience where somebody makes you mad and then you walk away from it and you know how you're stewing in your anger. So a really mature person captures that. They're like, oh, wait a minute. I'm angry right now. Why am I angry? Is that justified? Is that fair? What really went on? They can just start processing through their anger and thinking through, is it, is it a good anger? Is it a bad anger? Is it justified? Is it real? What should I do with it? How should I respond? What do I do now with this anger? Do you really want to stew the rest of the day or week on that angry moment? Well, it's not going to make you happy. And then now we're learning it's actually harming you at the physical and the cellular level. So no, you don't want to harbor that. But again, really, really mature people, they're aware of their thoughts. Hey, mature Christians, just just take another leap. Mature Christians are aware that not all thoughts are self-generated. Mature Christians are aware that not all thoughts are self-generated. Meaning like, think about the, remember Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and the serpent introduced a thought? You ever ever felt like, huh, where'd that come from? Ooh, where did that thought come from? Ooh, that's bad. That's evil. Where? So not all thoughts are self-generated. Some of them come from the Holy Spirit. This why you ever had a moment where you're like, you had a divine thought come to you, and you're like, I didn't come up with that. That's too good. That was brilliant. I know that wasn't me. Right? Or you have the opposite. The evil one comes in. Sometimes it's just your consciousness talking to you, and that's okay too. Like, but sometimes that your consciousness is flawed because of all the negative words or negative experiences or the ingrained habits that you have. So you can't always trust the voice inside of your head is my point. Are you hearing me? But at least be aware of it. Be aware of the thoughts that you are having. Listen to this. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 says this. It says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Listen, if you're going to renew your mind, the literal translation here is like renovate. You you ever renovate your bathroom, renovate your kitchen? It's a mess. Sometimes it takes five years, whatever it is. So, but the point is this, is that you got to go and rip out the old and then you got to put in something new. But to pull that off, you actually have to be aware of what's going on in your kitchen. You got to be aware of what's going on in your dome, in your brain, in your noggin and say, oh, I need to take inventory here. Nope, we need to take. So this is what it is. Number one is this, is we need to become aware of our thoughts. Number two is this, is we need to analyze our thoughts. So again, remember I said, let's say you have an interchange with somebody and they make you mad, they make you angry. All of a sudden, like that memory shot back from 1984 and you're all angry. You're angry at her and her. You know, you're just mad at everybody. And then all this stuff is going on. At some point, you need to become aware of your thoughts. Okay, I'm becoming angry. But then the second step is, okay, is it, again, is it right for me to be angry? What's the right way to respond? What should I do with that? Do, you know, do I give that to God? Do I, do I need to address them? Do I need to ask for forgiveness? Do I need to like, what do I need to do with it? And here's the deal. Watch this. Hebrews chapter four says this. You ever wonder how you analyze your thoughts? This is it. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It does what? Watch this. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So what is the tool that you use to analyze all your thoughts? The word of God. So like all of, so you're in that moment and you're like, I'm angry. You know, I, okay, at least I'm aware, I'm fuming. But then what do I do with that? Because here's the deal. If you open up a fortune cookie to figure out what you do with that anger, you're lost. 
Okay. I don't know that chicken soup for the angry soul is cutting it. I don't know about that. I don't think your horoscope is going to help you. Your, your friend who's just as dumb as you are, that's not the answer either. They got anger too. Do you, are you hearing me this morning? I know I just got a little harsh, but I just, I love you so much. The word of God needs to be the standard by which all my thoughts are judged. So I don't, listen, listen, I don't look at my thoughts and then me determine if they're good or not. I take my thoughts to the scripture and I let my scripture dictate whether those thoughts are good or not. So number one is I need to just become aware of my thoughts. Wow, I'm really sad. What's going on with it? Because you ever, you ever done that? You get sad and you're like, I've been sad for three days. <laughs> we need to catch that sooner, right? I'm feeling sad. What's going on with that? And then I take them and then I take those sad thoughts and say, why am I sad? What's going on in my heart? What's going on in my life? And God, can you speak into this? And then we look at to the scripture to analyze those feelings. Number three is this, is we capture negative thoughts. So once we analyze it, if we determine, no, that's terrible. I need to get rid of that. No, that's bad. I got to get rid of that. The Bible actually uses this specific phrasing that you capture negative thoughts. Now, I don't know about you, but like I grew up on a farm and we used to go hunting and fishing and I've captured some stuff in my life. When you capture something, you're trying to take it down, you're trying to lock it in a box, you're trying to kill it, you're trying to, all kinds of things. This is the imagery that the apostle Paul uses in the book of Corinthians. So watch this scripture right here. It says, even though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. Now, this is huge because what he's about to tell you is this. There's a battle going on. It ain't out there. It's up in here. Literally, there's a battle going on every day to see who will control your thought life. Will you surrender it to Christ and be led by the Holy Spirit? Or are you just going to like default to those words, those bad experiences, to the to, to the ungodliness of this world. So, so he's like, hey, the weapons, they're, they're weapons of, that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Literally, this would have been like a castle. Like that, that's the type of image. It's a war. Like, hey, you got something up in your brain, but you need to go and capture that thing. You need to demolish that thing that set up camp in your brain, and we need to destroy that. We need to take it down. So watch this. We demolish arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and we take captive. Everybody say captive. Okay, that was not good enough. I need, I know the Niners and the Raiders are out. It doesn't, it's, it's all lost. But anyway, just give me some, some gusto though. Okay, give me some hoorah. Everybody say captive. There we go. So we take captive every what? Thought, and then we make that thought obedient to Jesus. So every time there's a negative thought, every time there's something where there's, again, maybe, maybe it's an ungodly anger, maybe there's a bitterness, maybe we're uh, just being cynical and negative, and maybe we're judging and gossiping, maybe oh, whatever it is, wherever our brain has gone, once we're like, whoa, why did I go there? Ooh, I, let's look at that. When I compare that to the scriptures, no, 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 that's got to go. That's not good. So I need to take it captive. Like I need to capture that thing. And then lastly, we replace them. Number four, we replace them with God's truth. That is the answer. Because here's the deal. I don't know if you ever thought about this before. We're thinking, right? It's all about the mind. You ever thought about this? You can't actually just remove thoughts. You can only replace thoughts, right? As much as a lot of us men can go blank for a little while, still, you can't just remove a thought. Then you just got empty space. Eventually, it'll fill back up with something. So you can't just remove a thought. You have to replace a thought. Watch this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. This is how Paul said it. Brothers and sisters, whatever's true, 
Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or awesome or praiseworthy, what do you need to do? Think on those things. Or in Colossians, he says like this, he goes, think on things that are above and not on things that are beneath. What he was saying was this, and you need to catch this. You have the ability to control and manage your own thought life. You have the ability to download onto that computer whatever program it is that you want to run. You have the ability to choose right now. No, I'm done with that. My thoughts and me are not the same. These are just things that I'm having. But what I'm aware of is that I'm tired of having these thoughts. So I'm going to capture them and replace them with something entirely different. And I'm going to keep on repeating that process until that whole renovation thing is complete. I'm going to keep tearing out the old and putting in the new so that I can have the mind of Christ. This is the process that I promise you. It it makes you a happier soul. It makes you a better husband, a better wife, a better mom, a better dad, a better employee. I'm just saying it just makes life easy. It helps you be an overcomer at life. Why? Because everything begins with a thought. And as soon as you begin to manage your thought life, I'm telling you, success is on its way. Watch this. I'll close with this story. Last, last night, I'm out with some guys. And we're, we're, we're hanging out at a, a, a billiards place. This, it was a guy's birthday, and he wanted to go play pool. And, um, I, and I grew up with a pool table in my basement. I love playing pool. So we go out and play pool. And we're hanging out, four married dudes, just, just having a good time. And then, you know, it's a real social environment, though. I mean, there's a bar. People are having drinks, and people are all, everywhere. There's the jukebox is playing. I love a good jukebox. So I thought I heard Bohemian Rhapsody like five times last night. I don't know who was in control of the jukebox. But anyways, it was a, it was a fun night. But, but as we're hanging out, like there's these, there's these girls that are kind of like right next to our table. And um, one of the girls starts like coming over and flirting with one of the guys. It wasn't me. This is not, this is not like I'm changing the names to protect the innocent. I don't get hit on, I promise. It is, you don't have to worry about your pastor. Anyway, the other guy, the good-looking guy, apparently, or you know, whatever he gets, he's, and and so and it's, it's this classic move where she comes over and she's like, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" And me and my friends were playing pool, but we don't know what we're doing. Can you give us a lesson? Can you teach me how to shoot a combo, or you know how to do? Can you? And so you know how it is, though. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So he goes over, and this and this girl gets crazy. I don't know how many drinks she has. She gets crazy, and and she just keeps flirting and flirting until she gets really, really forward eventually. And it was a cool conversation because the guy I'm hanging out with, he's not, he's not a religious guy. He's a nice guy. I like him a lot. He's a, he's a guy, and he comes to me eventually. So eventually after the girl's done being crazy and being, being whatever, she leaves. But he comes over to me and he goes, hey, man, you know, look, I'm married. And, and, and I, was, I wasn't going to go do anything with that girl. But like, man, is it, is it wrong for me to like be thinking about and, and like having those thoughts about? Because he was like, Literally, like having wanting to have a pastor moment. I'm like, hey, the reality is, yeah. But here's why. I said, think about it like this. In the Old Testament, remember the last of the Ten Commandments? It was don't covet your neighbor's donkey, right? Which is like his truck. Don't covet his house. Don't covet his wife. Don't. But what, where does that all? Where does covetous happen? It's in your head. It's what you're thinking about. So all these Ten Commandments are all things that you can do or not do. But the tenth one wasn't about doing. It was about God was saying this, I don't want you just to be accountable for your actions. I actually want you to be accountable for your thought life. And then Jesus says the same thing. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? And he's talking about like, hey, um, you know how it was said, you know, don't murder people. And I'm like, that's still good. Keep that one. He's like, I don't even want you to harbor anger in your heart. Why? Because that's in your thought life. 
does the same thing. He goes, remember how we were talking about like, don't commit adultery? He goes, yeah, that's still true. That's still true. But, but, but I don't want even to have lust in your heart. Why? Because God doesn't want you just to be accountable for your actions. God wants you to be accountable for your thought life. Because, listen, listen, listen. If you can manage your thought life, really easy to manage your actions. Everything begins with a thought. What will I do? So this is my question for you this morning. What you been thinking about? What you been thinking about? Hey, honey, what are you thinking about? What you been thinking about? What's the default behavior of your brain? Where does your mind naturally go? Are you a person that chooses to find the negative? Are you a person that chooses to blame others? Are you a person to justify your own actions? Are you a person that like just wants to blow up things and make them bigger than they really are? Hey, maybe you're just a person who, who like, no, I get angry. I say bad things. Where do you think those words come from? Ultimately, they come out of your heart. It's all starting with a thought that's coming from a place somewhere. You're harboring bitterness. How is it that you think about people? How is it that you think about certain types of people, certain races of people, certain classes of people? How's your thought, how's your thought life? What you've been thinking about? Because what I want you to do is to step in this whole new world, this whole new habit where I manage my thought life. Let's pray this morning. So God, today is the day, the start of a brand new year still. And God, we want to match our hopes and dreams with some brand new habits. And today, God, we need the habit of managing our thought life. God, help us to become so aware of our thoughts, God. I pray that you'd give us that ability, that strength, God, that to be dialed in, to be aware that when things are going on in our mind, that we're not just letting them run on default for hours or days on end, but we're, we're aware. Why am I feeling this way? And then we're analyzing it. What does your word say? God, what is your best for my life? Then we're taking captive those things that don't belong. And then we're replacing them with some divine truth that overrides whatever fact or feeling we might have at the moment. God, help us to become great at surrendering our mind to you so that we might have the mind of Christ. Lord, that is our prayer today. In Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap this morning if you would. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.